Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. On this Tuesday in Phoenix, John Gambadoro, Tim Ring, filling in for uh, Bernsey today. We're going to take you up until 6.30. 6.30 tonight. Yes, we have bonus coverage to get you set for the Suns and the Wizards tonight from the Footprint Arena uh, as they uh, go back-to-back after taking on the Lakers and beating them last night. So busy show in store for you. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of Cardinals, uh, get into what Carson Palmer had to say. We're going to talk some ASU football after they got the Notre Dame quarterback to transfer in. We've got a lot of things going on, but let's not waste any time. Let's tell you what our top story of the the day is Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in, brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. All right, the top story of the day is a potential new owner for the Phoenix Suns. That's right, the Suns on the verge of having a new owner. The uh, the era of Robert Sarver will be coming to an end. How long this will take, I'm not sure, but probably will take some time with a purchase price that's going to be you know extremely high based on what all the numbers are. But the Phoenix Suns, uh, Matt uh, Ishbia, right? Ishbia. Ishbia. Matt Ishbia, billionaire mortgage lender, finalizing the purchase of the Phoenix Suns. The deal is expected to be completed in the near future. This would end the run for Robert Sarver. He is he's estimated to be worth 5.5 billion dollars there's some reports that this this could go up you know close to what 4 million dollars for the purchase of the suns 4 billion that's not 4 billion not 4 million 4 billion we have 4 million we might buy it 4 billion dollars now this is interesting because he played basketball in Michigan this is what we know about him played basketball in Michigan State under Tom Izzo won a national championship in 2000 he runs United Wholesale Mortgage it's a 7 billion dollar mortgage lending company and he's uh you know he's got a track record of giving back he gave 32 million dollars for the new sports facility at michigan state 14 million to help pay for mel tucker's contract so very very involved in sports so we are on the verge of having a new owner for the phoenix suns and listen i think this you know we're all like this was inevitable it was going to happen the second robert sarver said okay i'm going to sell the team you start to have some you know sponsors say that I'm not going to be on board with sponsoring the team if Robert's still the owner. And I think at Robert at that time, there was a lot of pressure. Right? You didn't get Adam Silver coming out and saying, Robert Sarver has to sell the team like he did with the Clippers guy. But there was a lot of pressure on Robert to sell, you know, from players, from fans, from sponsors. And I think Robert just decided in the best interest of the Phoenix Suns, in the best interest of everybody involved, let's put this team up for sale. That was a few months ago. And now we look like we are close to having finalization on the sale of the team. And away we go. So Matt Ishbia will become... If everything gets, you know, T's get crossed and I's get dotted, will become the youngest owner in the NBA at the age of 42. And if you're wondering how this young man made so much money, well, he did a lot of it on his own. His father started this company, United Wholesale Mortgage, in, I believe, 1986. And then when Matt graduated from Michigan State, he did play basketball. He was a walk-on, went to three Final Fours. 
won a national championship, part of that Mateen Cleaves, Mo Pete team under Tom Izzo, very famous there in the, uh, the Motor City in the state of Michigan. He went out and worked for his father and then built that company into what it is today. And I talked to another prominent alum of Michigan State who's also a prominent booster at Michigan State. Talked to him today a little bit about Matt Ashiba. Try to find out some stuff about Matt that I can't find on Google or online. And one thing he said, the headline was, this is a, despite all the wealth and success and the power Gambo that comes with wealth and success. This is about as down to earth a guy as you can find. And you mentioned Mel Tucker and the donations he's made back to the university. Look, a lot of guys donate to the school they went to that go on to make a lot of money. Here's why I think the Tucker thing is interesting and I think Suns fans should be excited. This guy wants to win. He doesn't like to lose to the other guy. Now, Mel Tucker may turn out to be a bad investment, but the way that went down was Tucker won 11 games and LSU started sniffing around and Matasheba said oh hell no not on my watch let's pay this guy and keep him here in East Lansing here's a check for 14 yeah. million dollars so if that's the way he's going to run the Suns I feel really good about this guy's aggressiveness when it comes to giving whoever the head coach is over his entire tenure here the best opportunity with the best players to go out and chase a championship each and every day because money is no object for Matasheba. Yeah, I, I spoke with somebody very close with him just a short time ago, and they said, listen, this guy is a psychopath for winning. Like, he crushed it when he took over his dad's business. There was just 12 employees there. He took it over basically at the lowest end, and he just crushed it. He hates losing. Not scared of the bigger guys either. Like, even in business, he goes after the bigger guys. And uh, again, I was told, look, this guy's a psychopath for winning. Like, nothing matters more to him than winning. Even in doing deals, it was winning rather than making money. Some of the times on his deals were, were the most important thing. I just want to win and beat the other guy. Even if I don't make any money on it, I want to make sure I take that business away from them. So he was really big at just winning the deal. He needed to win the deal. Every deal that he made was, I got to win this deal. And even, hey, even if we lose a little bit on it, I'm going to win this deal. Well, you that's know? So, so funny. Mel Tucker may turn out to be a really bad investor for Michigan State. But the point is, Ashiba said, there's, there's, Ishbia said, there's no chance LSU's coming down here and taking our, or coming up here and taking our coach. Here's the money to make sure that Mel Tucker yeah. stays here. So that's the aggressiveness that you're going to like out of an owner. I just, I, I just, I think well, it's, it'll be the, it'll, it'll be, listen, you'll come in and I would imagine you come in, you clean house. I would imagine you come in, you hire all, you know, you hire a bunch of people. Um, the Robert Sarver is no longer running the Phoenix Suns, but there's still a lot of people involved in the Phoenix Suns organization. Not everybody's going to lose their job. Okay. Not everybody's going to lose their job, but I imagine you come in and you put people in place that you know, people in place that, you know, that you've got connections with. He's got a basketball background for goodness sake. You know, he's got a basketball background. So I would imagine he comes in. I mean, I'm sure James Jones is fine and Monty's fine. And but I think a lot of the other people he's going to want around him to be in charge that he knows that he trusts and he can lean on, you know, Tom Izzo and his basketball background to bring in those type of people. And even in the business world and running the business side of things, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of people that he's very familiar with to come to Phoenix and run that. But I would imagine this will be it, right? This will be, you know, the end of one era and the beginning of a new era. And, you know, the Phoenix Suns are, are luxury taxpayers right now. And I think fans want to continue to see them be luxury taxpayers and committed to winning. And, you know, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the guy that could bring the Phoenix Suns that elusive title that they've never won. 
He strikes me as a guy who's not going to care about the luxury tax. This guy's going to want to win basketball. A lot game. of the new, a lot of like, I the, mean, he's that's that's right. what I like about him. a lot of the <laughs> the younger owners don't that that have money. Like you know, the Padres, for instance, like their owner, like he just you know he he just wants to win. You know, so you know he took over that team and 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 I, he's spending money that like they don't make that type of money. <laughs> like the San Diego Padres, they got about the same television deal as the Diamondbacks do. So, you know, there are certain guys that come in and want to make their mark. They want to spend their money. You go back to like when it all started, like Mark Cuban was at the forefront of the younger guy. It's a different breed. It's new owners. And we've seen a lot of new owners in different in, in all the sports really kind of come in and change the way things are. You got a lot of tech savvy guys now, a lot of younger guys. They've made a lot of money and they want to, you know, they want to win. Like their goal is they want to win and they'll spend money even that, like their own money on the team. A lot of guys come in, and I mean, I, Robert Sarver was like this. Many owners are. You, you come in and you say, okay, we bring in this much money, we'll spend this much money. I know Robert Sarver told me personally, my goal is not to make $50 million a year or lose $50 million a year. I'd like to break even every year. And the reason why is because eventually you're going to sell the team and you're going to sell it for $4 billion when you bought it for $440 million. So the goal was, you know, with Robert, many, most years is I'll lose a little bit, five or six million or make a little bit, five, but it was never about, let me make as much money as I can in one year. But it was also, I don't want to lose a whole lot of money in one year. It was, you know, the, the money that he was always going to make was going to be at the end with the sale. And Robert had always intended to sell the team at some point. He's selling it probably, obviously, sooner, you know, rather than later, uh, sooner than he would have expected to sell it. But the goal for him every year is he wasn't looking to make a whole lot of money, but he just also wasn't looking to spend money that wasn't coming in. I can't speak for Matt Ishbia, but I got the feeling that his business is United Wholesale Mortgage. That's where he's going to make his millions and billions. He bought the Phoenix Suns to win NBA championships and to compete. And to beat the other guy. He knows what it's like to win a championship, right? And, 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 and he's got an insatiable desire to own a professional sports team. He was heavily involved in trying to purchase the Denver Broncos. That obviously did not go his way as you know a member of the Walton family was able to secure the Broncos. So he's been fishing in the professional sports pond for quite some time. And that is to feed his competitive nature. Obviously, he, he can't buy Michigan State athletics. He can write checks to help them win as much as possible. But this guy wants an athletic team. He wants a professional sports team not to make money. He wants one to win. He's got United Wholesale Mortgage to make millions and billions, and that will continue to do so. He's here in Phoenix to win an NBA championship, not to worry about the bottom line. Suns take down the Lakers last night in a game that uh, didn't feature a lot of starters because a lot of guys were out, but there was one really, really good sign for the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. None out on top. None will just hang on. And none will wait. And this one is history. And the Suns get a win over the Los Angeles Lakers with a 130 to 104 score. 
12th consecutive win by the Suns over the Lakers. How nice is that? You count preseason, preseason regular Come season, on, playoffs, preseason. everything. 12 consecutive wins. All right, we don't count the preseason. The last time the Lakers <laughs> beat the Suns was in the 2021 playoffs in Game 3. The last time the Lakers beat the Suns, 2021 Game 3 playoffs. So the Suns have had the Lakers number. Crazy last night, right? Here's the guys who didn't play in a game. Cam Johnson. Dwayne Washington Jr., Campaign, Devin Booker, uh, Jacques Landale, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Austin Reeves. I mean, there were a lot of guys sitting there, you know, just, you know, sitting on the sidelines, just watching the game, guys in suits, guys in a Red Wing, Detroit Red Wings jersey. Yeah, what was Book, what look was Book going for? Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I don't. With the, with a, the Red Wings jersey was that a Sergey Fedorov? That's a good. Well, I mean, he. I mean, he's Gordy Howe, but he's from there. Like he grew up in Michigan. Yeah, but he didn't he go to high school in, in Mississippi. But and maybe just, he knew Ishby, a Michigan State guy, got to rep the state. <laughs> I, I he grew up in Michigan. We need a. Well, no, he just had his jersey retired in Mississippi and when they he went back with Izzo too. I mean, I'm sure he floated around a Him little bit. Him and Dwayne Washington Jr., I believe, are from the same part of Michigan, but he did go to high school with his dad at Moss Point at in Moss Mississippi. Book yeah. was born and raised or in Grand Rapids. So we're both right. Okay. Living, uh, let me see. Um, anyway, I didn't. I, I, yeah, I didn't it get, ended up in Mississippi. But he grew up, in, he grew up uh, in Michigan, so I imagine he's a Red Wings fan. I didn't get a look at the back of the jersey. Was he, was he repping any? He was a Chris Draper. <laughs> Stu Gribson. Chris Osgood, Sergey Fedorov, Brett Osgood, <laughs> Chris Chelios. <laughs> what? Darren McCarty. As an Avalanche fan, I don't appreciate the Red Wings talk. That's yeah, okay, I apologize for that. Bam, Book wearing the Red Wings jersey. Listen, this game was over early, man. Great first quarter run by the Phoenix Suns, eighteen to one run. They were down thirteen ten. That that Lakers big guy Brian kept hitting a bunch of threes. They got down, but then the Suns just blew him out of the building. Uh, Chris Paul, Mikhail Bray. I thought Torrey Craig hit a couple of big shots uh, for sure. Landry hit a three to make it 38-22. Second quarter, they kind of just, you know, you had that circus-like shot by a Koji that was good. He got hurt in the game. We'll get an update on him in a little bit. But uh, the good sign, the, the sign to me that really stood out was was Chris Paul. Now, I noticed no LeBron and no AD and no Russell Westbrook. But Chris Paul knocking down shots, playing well, starting to get his legs out from under him. Look, I've had my doubts about his ability to be consistent at the level he has been. And, and I've even questioned whether if he doesn't get it back, what do you do next year? Do you bring him back or do you let him go? He's got a $30 million contract for next year, but only half of it's guaranteed. If he doesn't play well, you know, so we've we've talked a lot about it with me and Birdsey. Like, we got to play this thing out. You've got to see with Chris. If he gets back to playing at a high level, great, keep him. If he doesn't, you may want to cut your losses and buy him out and save $15 bucks. But he played very, very well last Last night in that game, I thought that was a good sign. He was knocking down the mid-range shot. He was hitting those open threes. He had missed 14 games with that sore right heel. Struggled in the first few games back, but it looked like last night he got his legs under him a little bit and played much better. Uh, he's eight for 12 from beyond the arc from the last two games. Look, I, I that's a great sign. We, it's it a great is, sign. But not only is he knocking him down, he's also, he's also pulling the trigger on open threes when he has the look. Before the injury, Chris Paul would have open looks from three, and he was reluctant. To pull the trigger on it. He either passed it around the horn or he, he, he had a shot fake and he took it to the hole a little bit. 
I talked about this with Bernsey last week, Gambo, and let me reiterate it. I, I just don't think that Chris Paul came into the season probably in the best physical shape that he wants to be in, and I think he wanted to use the early season to kind of get himself back into shape, and then the injury happened. And you got to be in great shape to be a great shooter in this league. I mean, you, there's a finite opportunity in the window to get a shot off against NBA defenses, and if you're if, if you're still kind of playing yourself into shape, you can take the ball to the hole, but it's tough to fire up 18 to 25 footers, and I think as more as more and more Chris Paul gets into shape, gets a rhythm, gets a lather, gets a feel for the game, you're going to see that shot come back. I really saw signs of it against the Clippers a few games ago. He didn't make a lot of threes, but he was taking a lot of threes, and I thought that was a good sign. And now yeah. the last two games, he's knocking them down. Can you imagine losing a basketball game like 70 to 44, and then you score a basket and you start taunting the other, the other player on the other team? He's not right in the head. Like, can you imagine? He's not right like, in the head. You're getting your asses handed to you. You're getting slaughtered. Like what? Like you? It was seventy to forty six, wasn't it? Seventy to forty six. He hit the free throw to make it seventy to forty seven. I think he got the basket and the free throw. But he drove on. He drove on Chris Paul. So it, it was Da scored a basket. Pat Bev's take takes a pass from Schroeder. Drives on Paul. Scores. Puts his hand to the ground like the too small reference. Man, you're losing by twenty four points. And also, what, what are you doing? And it wasn't like he dunked on him and threw it down like he was a Vince Carter. I mean, he hit a little floater in the right. You it, drove to the basket. It's got a layup. A little floater in the lane, and you're down seventy to forty six. And you give the too small sign. I swear, I mean, he, he's, every he, single player is doing the too small sign after they score. Now it's after every bucket. There's a too small. God, but you listen. I mean, I grew up in an era. My God, how could you taunt somebody when you're losing? Oh, it's I'm not defending. How it. do you? I think it's ridiculous. How can any? How can any player at any level? Taunt the other team when you're losing because he's a clown. You're and losing. You've lost to him your entire career. Imagine in high school sports or any. Co- imagine like you start to. Dude, look at the freaking scoreboard. Why doesn't Darvin? This Ham- isn't even close. Why doesn't Dar- speaking of high school? If a high school kid did that, his ass would be on the bench. Why doesn't Darvin Ham pull him out for that? I mean, it's embarrassing. You're, it's, you're, exactly. you're embarrassing the entire organization. You're a joke. You're like, a clown. You're a joke. My God, listen, I mean, not even like, you've got to be, you want to do something like that? Listen, you, should, you hate Chris Paul. We get it. You hate Chris Paul. Man, there's a time and a place to get your shots in. You, you want to pick your spots? I'm a big pick your spot guy. Pick your spots. That's not when you pick your spot when your team's getting your asses handed to them. You're getting beat like a drum. My God, you're going to taunt somebody then? He's not right in the head. He's not right in the head. Oh, is I mean, we've seen this over the course of his career. There's a, there's, he's a few clowns short of a circus. I mean, I don't know how, how many different ways I can say it. I mean, the way he jacked up Chris Paul at the end of that Clippers series, I mean, that's just, that's not normal Hitting behavior. DeAndre in the back, you're right. This guy, he's, this, 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 there's something a little off base with him. There is definitely something off base with him. I'd be worried about him when the playing days are over, what he's going to do. But uh, that just, I don't, I just don't get it. I mean, I went back and looked at that play and I'm like, man, I just, I, and Chris Paul didn't see it, obviously. He didn't see it. And even after the game, he said he, he didn't see it. The too small celebration. Of course, down he's gonna, 26 uh, points. Uh, down Paul's going to say that, though. I didn't see it. He saw it. I mean, it, but if you saw, okay, if you saw gonna, that, he's not going to dignify it with a response. So of course, but, he's going to say okay. I didn't see it. But what did you just point to the scoreboard? Like, of isn't that the ultimate, dude? Look, look, you're down twenty six. Of course, point, he goes too small. You point to the scoreboard. Game over. You Pat Bev loses. Game over. 
Game over, man. Game over. You know what? Like, LeBron should say something to him. I mean, forget Chris Paul. Like, that's it. It's embarrassing. Big. I mean, to me, like, people talk about the Zion windmill. Like, Pat, Pat Beverly, would, that, like, that crap is way more embarrassing to your own organization than what Zion Williamson did in the final seconds. I mean, you're taking it like, like I, yeah, I just, I didn't get it. Good signs in the game last night, even though a lot of guys didn't play. The injury uh, report is still pretty heavy for the Suns for tonight. Devin Booker, Jacques Landale, Campaign, Jake Crowder, Cam Johnson, Dwayne Washington Jr. are going to be out. We don't know about a Koji yet, but we do know no Book tonight, no Landale tonight, no Campaign tonight, no Jake Crowder, no Cam Johnson, no Dwayne Washington Jr., so back-to-back, shorthanded against the Wizards, but coming off a nice win against the Lakers. Played well, did a lot of things right. D.A. was good in the game. Off, I saw this note on uh, uh, on AZ Central. It was, a, it was a good note by, I think it was uh, Dwayne Rankin. Uh, the last time... I put this in my notes, so that was pretty good. Suns had now all five starters score at least 15 points in a game since November 22nd, 2010. What state were you in then? Miami, Denver, 2010. I was with Kalamazoo, I was, Michigan. I was in the great state of Arizona, my where, friend. Where, 2010, you were in Arizona. Yes. Okay, <laughs> who knows? Maybe every time you come on, I find out you were in a different stop. Um, the last time they did it, here is your starting lineup for the Phoenix Sun: Steve Nash, Jay Rich, Grant Hill, Haydu, Turkaloo, and Channing Fry. That was your five guys, all in double figures, 15 or more. The last time the Suns had all five starters score at least 15 points. November 22nd, 2010, 12 years ago. Also, Damian Lee, game high 38 minutes, six rebounds, two assists, knocked down some big threes. I thought Damian Lee played well. Like what I've seen out of him. You know, and he got, a, you know, had got some opportunities with the, uh, with Golden State as one of those, you know, end of the bench guys, but he's coming here and he's done a nice job for the Phoenix Suns. He's been the best of the offseason acquisition. There's no question about it. Damian Lee, listen, when Damian Lee gets his feet set and you kick it out to him, more times than not, he's going to knock down the three. Scoring off the dribble, little different story. There's some challenges there. But his role of being able to knock down a corner three or even a wing three, he get it. He gets it. He knocked down five threes last night. Speaking of threes, what got into Torrey Craig last night? Torrey Craig was four for four. Uh, the first from, two he hit were wide open. I mean, I, yeah, just but still, wide open. No, it was good. It's good to say. It was his say. birthday yesterday. It was his thirty second birthday, right? Yeah, Capriano. Ah, happy birthday, Tory Craig. The DA was nine for eleven from the field in his first game back. God he had twenty one and eleven. Can't wait for good that guy to retire. Hey, when the future's bright, you got to wear shades, right? What happens when the future's bleak? We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. I love telling you about Sanderson Ford and Sanderson Lincoln. Sanderson Ford on 51st Avenue in Glendale. Sanderson Lincoln just east of the I-17 on Bell Road. And David Kimberly and, and, and the great people over there sponsor our Twitter poll. And we've got a great question for you. And I don't even know what it is, but I'm sure it's a great question, That's Aaron right. Ruby. I love the confidence, I'm Gamble. sure that this is a money question. All right. I'm going to look at it right now. Now that the pressure is on, the question is framed like this. When you spend about $4 billion 
on something, you've got a vision for it, right? I don't know. I've never spent $4 billion on anything. You would have to imagine, right? I could could probably imagine. So if you have a vision for it, obviously Mm. you're going to do all the business stuff as great as you can. But on a basketball level, congratulations, you just bought the Suns. What's your top priority? Do you extend Cam Johnson to continue developing internally? Mm, That's good. Do you make a big trade, big splash? Do you just spend on free agents, fill out your roster, or do you do something else? The fourth one is open floor. Rent out the arena and not rent it out. I just listen. I just I, I have a gigantic party at the arena. Big <laughs> sleepover with everybody. Yeah, I got a top priority. What Love do you do? It. You just bought the Phoenix Suns. What do you do? I buy my mansion in Paradise Valley and have a big yeah. party for everybody. I mean, first of all, I don't think the new owner is going to come in and start making basketball decisions. He's got guys on staff to do that. I got I mean, it. What are you What are you going to do? I sign myself to a one year contract and I become the twelfth man. I'm glad you're not the new owner I'm coming of the Phoenix Suns. I'm coming off the bench. Tell me, you? Gotta, Sam, no, you? if I'm him, if I'm him. Oh, you signed himself to yeah, a Yeah, we've winner. just signed a yeah. former Michigan State NCAA champion to the roster. Well, that would be better I than signing my, you, yes. I make myself the third-string point guard. There it is, right there. They do need some Chris creation Paul, off the dribble. campaign, and Ashiba. There it is, right there. So, want to ask me what I'm doing? I'm signing myself to a contract. <laughs> I'm going to play in the NBA. But to your point, Ringer, where you're talking about he's not going to come in and make decisions. No, I mean, listen, I he'll that, get the, he'll he's going to have a vision for it, right? If you own a team, I'm not saying he comes in and makes the trade for the superstar, but do you want it to be like the superstar destination team that's spending on a Kawhi and a Paul George? Or do you want to keep on developing internally, extend Cam Johnson, bet on the guys you have? That's kind of the vision that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I would hope he sits down in a, in a, in a conference room with, with James Jones and Monty Williams and says, locks the door and says, all right, guys, what are we we need right now to win a championship. What do you, you guys think? You are my basketball operations guys. What does it take? What do you want? What do you need? And I will get it for you. That's what I would do if I had $5.2 billion and I just bought the Suns. And then I would have the party. <laughs> I like it. So maybe more of an open forum. But as far as the results go, 63.6% are looking to make that big move, be the franchise that trades for superstars. 17% say extend, extend Cam Johnson, uh, develop internally. And 15.9% say spend on free agents. I'd also probably get rid of any player that played in the conference with Michigan State. <laughs> okay. Dwayne Washington Jr., Buckeye, you're out! Out of here! Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see. But you, yes, I, think, I, like, I like that. Go to, go to James Jones' body. So what do you need to win a championship? What do you need? Do you think at any point before we die that Tom Izzo will be coaching the Suns? Chew on that one, Gambo. No. No, he's 60. He's going to be 68 years old. Okay. Tom Izzo's an old man. Okay, not that old. Okay, he's old. It was a simple question. It's a simple question. You say no. Okay. I think you could see him maybe when he's done being an advisor or something, but I coach the team? No. Okay. Got Monty Williams. He's fine. Nothing against Monty. I'm okay. saying, like, it would be three, right. or, three or four years down the road. All right. Uh, coming off, that's our poll question that uh, Eric Ruby uh, has out there for us on the Burns and Gamble page on Twitter. Coming off of perhaps the greatest tease in the history of sports radio, uh, we'll talk about Carson Palmer. When the future's bright, you got to wear shades. But when the sh- future's bleak, what do you wear? And that's what Carson Palmer is saying. The former Cardinals quarterback who took him to an NFC championship game, he is saying that the future for the Arizona Cardinals is 
bleak. He was um, on a, uh, what was the name of the show? The, the 33rd team? The, he was on the 33rd team. And he said it's hard to watch the Cardinals this year. It's tough to watch. I mean, it, it, the, the future is bleak right now when you really look at it and you look at the timeline of things. So Kyler blows his knee out beginning of December. You got to throw in nine months, maybe 12, depending on the process and any hiccups in, in the process. So he, he's on a short timetable. Um, they've got a lot of positions to fill. They've been banged up everywhere. DJ Humphreys has been hurt. Um, they, they've lost guys uh, in the front, on the back end of their defense. So it, it's just been one of those years. Future's bleak. You got to wear a paper bag over your head. Well, I don't like need that. First of all, I don't need I don't need Carson Palmer to tell me that the future's bleak. But I will say this: we can't be on the radio one day saying that it's the NFL. You can turn things around in one year, and then come back the next day and say the future's bleak because Carson Palmer says it is. They can turn this around. Everybody can. They can. Everybody turn it has around. the ability to turn it around. I don't want to hear about DJ Humphreys being hurt. He's going to be healthy next year, and hopefully, he can stay healthy. He can refortify the roster through free agency, and hopefully there's a, there's a better draft ahead this this April, and you can get this thing going. Yeah, there's a big question mark. When Kyler Murray I, will be back, I get it. And if it's if it's 12 months, like Carson Palmer's saying, then he might as well be out the the entire season. But yeah, that's that's a, that's a big elephant in the room. I think the what he's really referring to is just the just the unknowns, right? The GM, the coach, the the players. He hears him talking about the future and 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 the unknown part of it. It's not like, well, we'll be fine. Kyler rehab and he'll be ready week one. That's unknown. We, we have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. Coaching situation, expect- we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's so many different ways that this this is going to shake out But the, uh, at the end of this year. Uh, it's just one of those situations as, as now that I'm a fan watching. It's just been, it's really, really been tough to watch. Yeah, so I understand that, right? I mean, the future's bleak because there's so many unknowns. What's going to happen with the coach? What's going to happen with the GM? What's going to, you know, what's going to ha- what, what is the owner going to do? I mean, it's just, there are a lot of unknowns. And I think that's where, listen, do, can you turn things around quickly? Yeah, but not everybody can. So there are teams you can look at and say, okay, the future future is really bleak for them. Um, there are other organizations you could look at and say, okay, hey, I think the future might be pretty good for the Detroit Lions. Man, things are starting to really go well for them. They may not make the playoffs this year, but the future looks pretty bright. Jacksonville Jaguars, things are starting to turn around for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Beat the Cowboys in a thrilling game. Like, they're starting to play. Then you look at other teams, you're like, okay, the future's not very good for some of these teams. So that's what I think he's talking about with just the, the unknown in the NFL. Well, there is, there is unknown, obviously. And it begins now with making the right person personnel decisions, and this falls back on the owner, we talked about this yesterday, making the right personnel decisions in January, maybe early February, but I think it's got to be January, making the right personnel decisions that put you on the pathway for recovery and for healing. They may not be in the playoffs in 2023, especially with the Kyler deal. But again, like you bring up the Jaguars or the Lions. I mean, you draft well, you sign the right free agents, and you, and you start the you start the recovery process, and you start building towards something. But that begins with making the right decisions decisions in January and February well, about what the leadership council. Mm-hmm. GM head coach is going to look like going forward. Well, that's the offseason. And here's Carson Palmer. Does he expect sweeping changes this offseason? I don't know. I mean, you, you look at, they just re-signed uh, Steve. They just re-signed Coach uh, Kingsbury. Kyler's coming back. I mean, I, I know I know every job in, in the NFL is, is attractive, but that's not that attractive of a job right now. You know, they, they've been recycling coaches every couple years. 
Um, I, I'd be shocked if they if they cleaned house, but um, you know it's 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 not looking great. Obviously, with Kyler's situation as well, not that attractive of a job. They've been recycling coaches. You know, here's a you know here's a he's a Ring of Honor guy, right? Then Bill, Bill will put him in a Ring of Honor, saying that the uh, that it it doesn't look very good for the Cardinals. It's not an attractive job to come coach here. Now, other people may look at that differently. They've got a one. They got a top five draft pick. That's attractive. They do have a quarterback. With, you know, maybe some, If you like the quarterback, you could say they've got a quarterback. So there are some things that you could look at and say, okay, this is, pretty, this is a pretty good spot. But he's saying that it is not an attractive job for potential head coaches. Okay, money talks. Let's never forget that. All right. Now, it may not be attractive to a Sean Payton or a coach who has other options, but there are plenty of young, hot coordinators out there that would love the bump and pay. And also, they're not recycling coaches every two years. Arians was here for five. One year of Wilkes. Four. Kingsbury's been here for four. Mm-hmm. So that's not fair for him to say that. Text us your thoughts on what Carson Palmer had to say about the Cardinals to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Arizona State has added a new quarterback through the transfer portal. Will the luck of the Irish be on their side? We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I actually think the transfer portal is great because I think in college football, it's turned into a lot of people that make a lot of promises that don't come through. And that's the recruiting process is what am I willing to tell a kid uh, to get him to commit to me? And I think the transfer portal is the great equalizer for people that are honest. And, uh, you know, I grew up being brutally honest with people. I'm not one to sell a dream. I'm one to say the truth. And uh, I think this, I think the transfer portal is hurting the people that say what's necessary to get the car sold. And that means get the player to their program. Because now when that player gets in their program and it maybe wasn't all the promises, they have an out. That is Kenny Dillingham, the head coach of ASU, on with Luke and Wolf yesterday right here on Arizona Sports. And I'll tell you, he is turning this roster over. They're expected to have over 30 new kids in the program this year. They're probably going to sign more kids this year than anybody in the history of college football. You know, you can sign about 25, but there's a one-time rule when the new coach comes in allows you to do some other things. You're talking about a third to half the roster being turned over right now by ASU. And look, make no mistake about it, they needed it. They've got some terrific talent coming in, not only local, but they've got some other good players coming in. Ben Coleman was a dominant offensive lineman for Cal, who grew up in California, right? This is a lo- this is a local kid. He's a California kid, Temecula, California. Him and his former high school teammate, Travion Brown, who played at Washington State, who is an outside linebacker, edge rusher type. He's coming in. He's a California kid, too. So ASU, Kenny Dillingham, turning over the roster, bringing in a lot of local talent, bringing them back to the Valley, which he promised to do, but also going out there and getting starting caliber players like Ben Coleman, 6'4", 330, 16 starts at left guard, 6 at left tackle. This kid was a real dominant, the best offensive lineman at Cal. He's going to come in here and be plugged in right away to start for ASU on that offensive line. Well, it's good because their other best offensive lineman took off for Michigan. So Kenny Dillingham, 
is trying to obviously build a program, but also dealing with guys that were on the roster that he probably would have liked to have back in some cases, but that have left now. So you're trying to deal with not only that, you're trying to deal with a team that didn't win a whole lot of games, and you're going out there and you're trying to refortify this roster with guys that can help you win now. I'm sure if Kenny Dillingham were sitting there right now, he doesn't want to talk about a rebuild. He wants to go no, out there and win. win he wants games. to win football mm. games in 2023. There is no time. There's the days of a five-year plan in any professional or collegiate sports franchise are over. Coaches don't get a five-year plan anymore. So he, his idea is to go out there and win as many football games yeah. as possible next year. And you got and in a way, gamble. Thank God for the transfer portal. Right? It is. I mean, yeah. for for a situation like Kenny coming in here right now, you can get better, quicker, and faster thanks to that portal. Well, listen, they, you know, you've got Trenton Bourget coming back, your quarterback. He did a good job for you. Then they went out there and they brought in Jacob Conover, won a bunch of state championships at Chandler High, BYU kid. The quarterback room got even better yesterday. They brought in one of the top available quarterbacks in the transfer portable uh, portal, Drew Pine from Notre Dame. Now, I know you follow Notre Dame very closely. I do. This kid, he was 8-2 and two as a starter. He played in a very run-oriented offense at Notre Dame where they run the ball like 65% of the time, but he put up some really good numbers before top 25 teams and did a really good job for them. So you bring in a quarterback here in Drew Pine, the quarterback room gets a lot better. You got a lot of talent there to battle it out. I would think Pine will have the outside edge to be the starting quarterback, but I'm, I'm sure there'll be competition and let the best man win. Do you? Let me, I'll give you my scouting report on Pine in just a bit. Gamble, there are cases, and I don't know if this is one. Usually it's more for a grad transfer quarterback when a guy has only one year. He's got three years. He has three years, but a grad transfer always kind of says, look, I got one year to play. I'm not transferring there unless you kind of guarantee me, even if it's like you know, not above the table, you kind of wink, wink, I'm coming there to start. Is there any chance that ASU guaranteed Pine a chance to start? I mean, I mean, I mean, if we're just kind of speculating here, would Drew Pine go to a place where he has to compete, or is he going to a spot where he kind of knows that he's at least out of the gate coming in as QB1? Look, I would imagine it's Trenton's job until he gets beaten out, but you tell Drew Pine, and, and you tell Conover, too, you say, listen, if you beat him out, you beat him out. Like, you know, it's going to be competition. Like, when, yeah. you're, when you're starting a program like Kenny Dillon is you want competition at all these positions. You can't promise anybody anything. Come in and compete for the job. If you are the best man, you'll win. There's no, I have no ties to anybody else. If you beat this guy out, you will be the starting quarterback. And I think this kid was, he was looking at Ole Miss. He was looking at BYU, South Carolina, Kentucky, came to Arizona State on a visit, got blown away. Absolutely love it. I mean, he was a top 25 passer rating in offense. He won some really big games for Notre Dame. And you you look at his numbers, right? He's a very accurate passer, smart kid. Good football IQ, very accurate passer. He's going to come in here and be given every opportunity to win the starting job, and it's a good chance he does. But you know, if he doesn't, you're right. You got three years left, yeah. and you know, let the best man for the job win the starting quarterback job for ASU. All right, here we go, ASU fans. I saw every play he ever made and ran in college at quarterback. What'd you like about him? Okay, here's what I liked about him. Uh, he's got a lot of moxie. 
He's got a lot of character back there. He wants to win. He appears to be very coachable. He had a rough go of it early on. In fact, some ASU fans may have seen the famous or infamous scene when his offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, was, you know, dropping F-bombs on him, do your blanking job, when Drew was really study, uh, struggling when he came in. Now, keep in mind, Drew Pine was not Notre Dame's starting quarterback to begin the season. He was the backup, and he was thrusted into the starting lineup when their starting quarterback suffered an injury in Week 2. So Pine comes in. He started 10 games. He went 8-2. and two. I caution ASU fans not to get caught up in the 4-1 and one record against top 25 teams. Two of those wins were against BYU and Syracuse when they were in the top 25, and they turned out to be not very good football teams and not, not ranked all that high ranked at all, period. But I will say this. Drew Pine is accurate. He's got moxie. He's a winner. And he's a guy that you like having on your football team and like having in your foxhole. You can look at the vi- some of the video and see the quick release. He's Gets rid quick- of the ball quickly, right? Yeah. Gets rid of the ball quickly, drops back. Good football IQ, knows where he's going to go with the Smart ball kid. right away. Gets to the line of scrimmage, has a plan, can read a defense, can read a defense. And again, accurate, quick release, gets rid of the ball. Downside, only 5'10", maybe 5'9", gang, just to be honest. Gets some balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. Everybody's going to see this when they play next year. Uh a run-dominant team at Notre Dame. He really relied on a running game, an offensive line with a couple of tackles that are going to play in the NFL, a left guard who's going to be play in the NFL. And then he had literally, guys, the best tight end in football. First-team All-American, Michael Mayer was his name. Uh, he's going to be a high first-round or a high-round high draft pick in the NFL draft. Drew Pine targeted Michael Mayer about 12 times a game. Like, he made wow. a living throwing the football to one guy. He's that, because he was, because that, he was good. that good. <laughs> right. Now, listen, so when he, when he, when he goes to AH, you, you know, you're not you're going to have some good players around you, but you're not going to have a Michael Mayer, at least not the first year. So there's going to be a growing curve there for Pine. The last thing I will say about it, Gamble, you talked about the three years of eligibility. This is what I really like about a guy like Pine. He's not leaving to go early to the NFL draft. He's already been in the Notre Dame program for three years, but because of a redshirt and a COVID year, he's got three years left of eligibility. So if Kenny Dillingham can get something out of this kid and he can be a starting quarterback for three years, man, in a couple of years, you're going to have one hell of an experienced quarterback yeah. running the show there at Sun Devil There's Stadium. Some, some and that's pro- pretty good. Some projections that show him as a you know a future NFL player. So he might have the chance to get to the NFL. No, he's too short, Gambo. I'm telling you right now. That's they not list good. him at like six he's not. feet. He's not. Listed at like six feet. He's but. not. I, he's not. I'm just, uh, guys, I'm telling you. He's, he can be a very good college quarterback. He will not play in the National 20, Football League. Two touchdown passes. He's a 4.6% completion yeah. percentage. So the, those look pretty Pretty good. Now, you do have some good talent. Like Elijah Badger's a really good player to get the ball to. I love the tight end Jalen Conyers, too. He really came on towards the end of last year. You didn't hear a lot about him early, but he came on and played very well. So, uh, Kenny Dillingham turning over this roster. Tons of new players coming in. Really, you know, focus on, on, on a lot of Arizona kids, but you've seen some California kids come in. Guys with Pac-12 starting experience like Travion Brown and Ben Coleman. And then again, that quarterback room is changing a whole lot. It's much better now than it, than it used to be with the addition of Drew Pine. All right, still a lot to come on the program. The NFL, whew. We're talking about the Cardinals spending money to, to pay guys out. That is the that is the way of the world in the NFL. Lots of money being spent on coaches and executives to get them off the program. We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.